0: This is episode 271, where we are chatting about ditching the norm and making a life that works for you, the various ways to fuel your body, metrics to measure health success, steps to start a new diet, how to help others with your passion toward diet, not forcing your experience, (laughs) how to adjust sleep patterns and optimize your sleep quality, the controversial view on light sleeping mindset toward consumption of content, and so much more. You can catch up on previous podcast episodes from today's show by going to ketodietpodcast.com. Just look for episode 271. When you're on that page, you might have to scroll a little bit down to find episode 271. If you have questions about today's content or you want to submit a question that I will answer in a future Q&A episode, you can go to helpfulpursuit.com slash contact and ask me. Today, we're chatting a lot about how to adjust your ketogenic diet to work for you, how to adjust your life to work for you. If you want to go deeper into this conversation, I have a program for that. It's called Happy Keto Body. It's a 12-week program that I developed alongside a doctor, my good friend, Dr. Nina Lewis-Larson. You can find out more information by going to happyketobody.com. There are three membership levels, and the top level, the VIP level, gives you lifetime access to the program, which means lifetime coaching calls. So you get to meet with Dr. Nina Lewis-Larson every month, and she answers your questions in addition to both dr nina and i being in the vip chat that's off social media blah in our own separate chat room that you can access at any time via your phone your laptop your ipad whatever you got to ask us questions and we're on there daily so again that's happyketobody.com Okay, so our guest today is David Hauser, who used to work 100-hour work weeks as an entrepreneur bootstrapping grasshopper to $30 in revenue. He didn't realize how bad this grind was on his health until it almost was too late. In his new book, Unstoppable, David shares the journey of taking full ownership over his health by experimenting with and tracking different ways to optimize his body, mind, and life so that others can use strategies he had to learn the hard way. Now I'm gonna include links to David's newsletter as well as his book in the show notes. And without further ado, let's cut over to this interview. Hey, I'm Leanne Vogel, and you're listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. I've put together a free 21-page guide on achieving weight loss on your keto diet if nothing is working as a little thank you for being here today. Grab your free guide at ketoforwomen.com to get the steps you need to overcome the hurdles standing in your way. Hello, David. Thanks so much for coming on the show today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, you bet. So I did your fancy bio and all the things, but I'd love to hear from you um, what you're all about.
1: Yeah, so it's been a really interesting experience. Uh, and typically, I would introduce myself as you know a guy who built these companies, specifically in software and online businesses. Built a company from zero to thirty million dollars a year in revenue, but really that's not the interesting thing, right? Like those are the facts. Like yes, those happened. What's really much more interesting is the journey that I was lucky enough to go on from a health perspective, and you know, learning a lot of things along the way. What the myths were, I'm experiencing those for many years while I did triathlons and ran Boston Marathon and was still overweight. And you know that I've been lucky enough to now make a number of discoveries that have helped me on my journey to get where I wanted to go.
0: What encouraged you to get started on this journey? There's always like that story, you know, that this wasn't working and this wasn't working. (laughs) And then I realized I needed to do XYZ. What was that like for you?
1: Yeah. So for so many years, I followed kind of like conventional wisdom of eat low fat, exercise a lot, and I did all of those things to an extreme. So I was extremely diligent in in my eating, but I was still, now I know, eating lots of uh, sugar and carbs, which wasn't a good idea. I was extreme in my exercise and going from doing almost nothing to the gym every day to doing a half Ironman and running Boston Marathon um, and training for those, right? So tremendous output, continuing to listen to the same thing I was told. And I can remember distinctly, uh being at the half ironman race in austin and thinking to myself like wow like i'm putting these shorts on and like my fat is hanging over the shorts but what's going on like i literally exercised for 10 12 hours a day like just tremendous amounts of exercise what's happening here something's not right and that kind of started that journey of saying i wanted to make some changes and figure things out And found a lot of things along the way and tried lots of diets and tried lots of other exercise routines, but really the change was questioning conventional wisdom or what I thought, you know, was the right thing to do, quote unquote.
0: Mm, The questioning piece, that's huge, huge. And I had one of those real moments too, also a runner and like, wait a minute, I feel like hot garbage all the time and I'm way overweight. Like there's something going on here. So that's cool that you were just like, wait, like. This is not working. What was like the big, if you could summarize like the big takeaways, those like epic magic moments that create the biggest shifts to where you are today, what would be some of the highlights of, you know, as you start to question the common narrative to now, what were like the big epic takeaways for you?
1: I think the first one was first just not feeling hungry all the time. And it took a long time to get to that point. Uh, But, you know, consistently throughout my life, I can remember just always feeling hungry and snacking and eating and through my testing and diet and trying to figure things out. One of the metrics I looked at pretty significantly was how hungry I felt during the day and at the end of the day. And, you know, I I ate vegan for almost eight months and I lost weight, which which was great. I didn't feel all that great um, after kind of the first month or so, but more importantly, I just was always hungry. And I can remember uh, there was this dish I really liked, which was couscous and vegetables. And thinking to myself, like, this is delicious, I love it. But I could eat the entire amount that I made, which was far too much to eat, and still feel hungry afterwards. Right? And to me, that said, there's there's a problem here. So when I found increasing fat significantly to the point where during the day, I just forgot to eat lunch because I didn't even think about it. And it's not because I was busy. It's because I wasn't hungry. That was a massive change in discovery for me.
0: Yeah. Your couscous sounds like my oatmeal or cereal. Oh man, I could pound that stuff. I could just eat it <laughs> all, day. <laughs> all and, day.
1: And You have to think like, wait a second, like why is it possible that I could eat this much of this thing? Right. Right. And, there, there's just, the body shouldn't allow that to happen, right? And the problem is there's, there's so little fat in it that the body is just craving more and more and more. And I think a lot of people find that on, on a vegan lifestyle when, when fat is still low. Now, eating vegan high fat is very difficult. I tried it, but it is possible.
0: Yeah, I tried that too, and it is possible, but it's quite challenging, and it's not all that satiating, I found. Now, what sorts of things, you mentioned you did vegan, and what sorts of things did you do that worked, that didn't work, and how did you determine if they worked or didn't work?
1: Yeah, so I think that, you know, we all first kind of look to, you know, weight loss as the, the first metric, and and that that I tracked pretty intensely uh, with a you know, Wi-Fi connected scale. So I have data going back, Oh, I don't even know how long now, probably whenever they first came out that scale, I think 11 years ago, roughly maybe nine years ago, I have to go back and look. So one, weight loss, two, how I felt specifically during the day, I was getting a lot of brain fog, so I wanted that to go away, not feeling hungry, and then just in general, high energy. Right, like I don't drink caffeine of any type. I've never drank coffee. I don't drink soda, tea, or any other caffeinated drink. So all of my energy has to come from you know sleep and fuel. Right, and I wanted to make sure I felt that every day. So I tested diets like a vegetarian diet. That's an easy transition um, after vegan. Right, you start adding some things back in, adding fish back in. I noticed okay when I add fish back in, it's better. Prior to that. Prior to my vegan diet, I tested, you know, typical bodybuilders diet, you know, lean chicken, brown rice pretty much every day with some sort of vegetable. Um, didn't feel all that great. So I think it was just a discovery process over time as I added things back in and said, hmm, I, I trusted one extreme vegan. What's the other extreme? Uh, and clearly now there's probably a little bit difference with carnivore, but it wasn't as popular at the time. Uh, And the other extreme is just high fat and how can I implement that and test it and that's what I did.
0: So I started using a new app. It's called Sleep Cycle. And for $0, Sleep Cycle empowers humans to become aware and get to know themselves better through their sleep patterns without having to know anything about sleep or change the way you do life. No intrusive gadgets or gizmos. Everything is on the app. You can go to sleepcycle.com keto today to start improving your sleep for free. With free and premium features, you'll be able to achieve better sleep, restore your Body to balance and improve your relationship with your body. A click of your screen before your head hits the pillow, and you wake up gifted with a free analysis on the quality of your sleep. Receive insights and to-dos so you can achieve better sleep, including free training and so much more. Remember to go to sleepcycle.com/keto, and you will also get access to Sleep Cycle Premium for seven days, absolutely free. Payment info is required, but you can cancel for free at any time. That's Sleep Cycle dot com slash keto and start improving your sleep tonight that's really cool and do you see yourself like i know that when i found keto it was like i found the missing link of my entire life i'm never going to change and now i look back six years and like oh my gosh even my keto has changed have you found since finding like high fat and and moving in this space that even though you thought there was nowhere to go that you're finding more and more options to adjust things yeah'm I'm,
1: I'm always learning. I even did a carnivore diet for a month. I lost a few pounds. I didn't feel necessary. I actually felt pretty good in general um after the first week, week and a half. but more importantly, I really missed vegetables and avocados and things like that on a carnivore diet, like because I actually liked those things. Um, so that was a good discovery. But I think, the, the diet changes over time as your body adapts to it, one, so I can eat more carbs now than I could before. I eat a tremendous amount of vegetables, comparatively speaking, I guess. But I, I think the challenge that I found so many people have is when you first start a diet, in the first six months or a year, maybe even less, it's easy to be very restrictive because you haven't learned all of the cheats, right? And I think the difficult time is when you convert that to a lifestyle after that first period and you now know all the cheats like on keto, I could eat these things and it's probably not the best idea, you know, even though the net carbs are right and there's all sorts of ways around it. The same with vegan, like, yeah, I could eat vegan cookies, probably not a good choice, but in the, in the beginning, you don't know that. So I think there's an adjustment period where you have to discover what are the cheats and how do you use those to your advantage compared to overusing them and falling backwards into old patterns
0: right it's really about finding those boundaries and you like hit a wall you're like oh right okay wall there and you're kind of bouncing around until you find that equilibrium and you're right it usually takes with my clients and such about six months to a year until they start Oh, okay i'm getting it now i'm getting it now
1: (laughs) yeah yeah it just takes time and learning and kind of feeling in your body what's happening
0: Mm, yeah I know that when I tried carnivore I was on my fourth book tour and it was about three weeks in and anytime I heard like somebody talk about strawberries or I saw strawberries (laughs) or I smelt something strawberry I was like must have strawberry like that oh gosh that first strawberry was like the sweetest most delicious thing (laughs) it tasted like candy I think that's
1: an interesting thing though, right? Cuz the body's telling you something, right? Which is there is a benefit in variety compared to total elim- elimination, right? And I think that that's the problem we see with a lot of diets, which is, you know, absolute elimination of things is usually not a good idea, right? Outside of sugar Um, at this point, I would say. But in general, like having that variety, the body craves and wants because there's different nutrients at different times, there's different flavor profiles, all of those things are different, right?
0: Yes, it's so true. And as you started to shift your own health and you know you said you're a runner and I know that runners, you know, runners like to stick together and maybe you're part of a club or you had other friends. How did that shift how you saw others' health as somebody who I am assuming really likes to help people? Did you have like a call to like, oh my gosh, everything I thought was right is now wrong and how do I educate people? What was that like for you to to experience that shift?
1: It's actually been an interesting challenge because I think there's two ends of the spectrum and typically I'm on the, the spectrum of kind of telling people and explaining and, you know, wanting to share. But I found in in this area, specifically diet, it's very hard to share. People need to be open to it. So I really wait for people to ask questions, right? Like, hey, David, I saw you lost 35 pounds. How did you do it? That's an opening for a conversation compared to just sharing, even though, You know, I want to say, why are you eating that Pop-Tart? Like, that makes no sense. And even more so with performance athletes, like, the amount of crap that I ate and everyone eats in goos and bars and protein this and all this stuff, it's all garbage, right? And I could share that with people. But if they're not open to hearing it, they're, they're going to shut off very quickly and possibly me disrupt their journey. So it was a hard discovery for me to kind of slow down a little bit and say, I'm happy to share this with the people who want to and are ready.
0: Mm, Yeah, that's a hard lesson that we all have to learn because you can be like, oh, change this, change this. Um, But you're right, unless they come to you, it's like, You're going to end up losing friends and things get awkward. (laughs) Um, I'd love to pick your um, mind on sleep specifically. You mentioned that earlier of just making your sleep better. I'd love to hear your experience around sleep because I know it's what a lot of our listeners struggle with is how to fall asleep, how to stay asleep. A lot of our listeners are um, really light sleepers. So their partner will move a little bit and all of a sudden they're up for hours. I'd love to hear what you've discovered about how to optimize sleep.
1: Yeah, so I'll, I'll share, it's been a very long, expensive journey, and the most interesting thing is the simplest changes actually had the biggest impact compared to the most expensive or complex changes. And I'll talk about that and also kind of my controversial view on on, lights, on light sleepers. So first, optimize the bedroom uh, for sleep. So no televisions, no computers, no work, all of that is removed. Um, reduce light as much as possible, blackout shades, things like that, right? So create the environment for sleep the biggest impact things for me were um, i always woke up relatively early but i never use an alarm clock anymore so i go to bed early and i wake up early naturally without an alarm clock i don't eat within three hours of bedtime and if i'm going to bed at 9 9 30 the latest that means dinner in the household has to get pushed up to like 6 p.m which has been a challenge sometimes and then optimizing the outside of the room the actual bed right so finding a mattress that's comfortable and investing dollars there it's cheaper than other options yet not the cheapest i tested tons of pillows so pillow is super important i personally like a heavy blanket um, some people don't it takes a little while to get used to and then I like a, a cooling mattress or, you know, like Uller or one of those um, that cools the bed to, to bring temperature down. So across all of those, I think those are the, the areas I look at. For supplementation, uh, I found a lot of use in magnesium. I really don't like melatonin and, and other things like that. We can talk about why. So that, that's how I optimize sleep. I measure it with an aura ring. I um, really like that. It's not perfect, but it's it's pretty good. I, I've done in lab in lab and in-home sleep studies with like the medical equipment, and it's, it's good. And then my controversial view is uh, I very much believe that partners should sleep separately <laughs> for a number of reasons. But most importantly, people's sleep cycles are different. And you can be in the same room, but I think separate beds make a lot of sense. And it sounds silly like, oh, that's so like 1960s or whatever, 1950s. But I think there was something smart about that And it works well.
0: I couldn't agree with you more. My husband and I do this. (laughs) And for so many reasons other than quality of sleep, just like quality toward physical touch when you are together. It's just so much more powerful because I don't know, like it's just, it's, it's, I highly recommend that every couple do this.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of benefits, right? And people seem very wary of it. So that's why I say it's kind of a controversial view. Like people like look at me weird when I say it. And it just works very well.
0: (laughs) Yep, I can stand behind that 100 billion percent. And if you have the space to allow for it, it's it's the greatest gift. Uh, My sleep is so great. (laughs) I've been using ButcherBox for years and I love the convenience of clean animal protein delivered right to my home. And if you're new to ButcherBox and you'd like to make your very first order Right now, you will receive two pounds of grass-fed and finished ground beef in every single order for the lifetime of your membership. You can go to butcherbox.com keto diet to sign up today. This offer is available until September 23rd, 2020. Now, I get all of my meat from ButcherBox because they source the highest quality at great prices. In addition to their pasture-raised beef, they also source free-range organic chicken, heritage-bred pork and seafood, and you never have to pay for shipping. If you don't already have a Butcher Box membership, now's the time to join. When you order your first box, you'll receive two pounds of 100% grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef in every order for the lifetime of your membership. Go to butcherbox.com keto diet to start your membership and receive two pounds of ground beef every month for life. Again, this offer ends September 23rd, 2020 you mentioned why you don't like melatonin I'd love to pick your brain like why yeah
1: so melatonin I think is okay for short-term use like if there's real problems falling asleep but more importantly I want to figure out why I'm needing melatonin to fall asleep because why is my body not properly regulating that like Why am I not getting tired? Is my schedule off? So on the weekends, my schedule is very different than weekdays, so my body gets confused. Am I waking up during the night? Are there other dietary or supplementation questions that are affecting the precursors to melatonin and the things that should be happening naturally in my circadian rhythm and uh, all the things that should be happening with hormones in the body? right? The other problem with melatonin is the body senses that melatonin is there and over time stops or reduces producing it, which causes kind of a circular effect where you then have to take more melatonin, right? So I I wouldn't want to say that it's addictive, but the body stops producing at the same levels as before, where if I fix the core problem, which is I need to naturally produce more melatonin when I want to go to bed, that's a much better long-term solution.
0: Perfect. And I have to ask because I know that there's at least one listener that's also wondering, you mentioned that you spent crazy money on a couple of things. I'd love to know what's like the craziest thing you spent money on that maybe worked or didn't work, but it was like too crazy.
1: I'd say the first category is PEMF devices, right? So uh, anyone who's followed any sort of biohacking or groups or people that do these things, it's a very popular device. It's you know between eight hundred to a few thousand dollars, and it has an effect on sleep. Uh, I, for me, it's most useful when traveling across time zones, specifically going to Asia or Europe. Um, It helps kind of re-regulate and get back into the the local time zone. But comparatively speaking, a $100 pillow had far more effect than these devices in the long run. So I wouldn't say don't use them, but it's just not the first place to start. And then also, I think another category of things would be testing. I spent a lot of time and money on testing. So that was in-lab actual sleep studies because i'm like i want to figure out what's going on and the labs are not well set up for people who want to optimize sleep they're set up for people who have sleeping disorders right and i even went to specialists that said that they understood how to optimize sleep and then it just doesn't result in any meaningful changes in the long run so i I, those are not the areas i would start even though they do have an impact
0: That's really great to know. I know that like we can get distracted by these big things. We're like, if we spend this amount of money on it, it has to work. But you're saying like the pillow is actually more beneficial and way less expensive. (laughs) Um,
1: And and you could travel with it too. Like if if you find a pillow, like I found one that I love, I bought a second one so I can make sure I have it with me. So now I can't double up my investment on something super expensive, but I can on something that costs $100, right?
0: Totally. Yes, exactly. Meditation. When you first started your quest toward uh, overall health and wellness, were you a meditator or when did you find this and how has that changed over time?
1: Yeah, I wasn't at all a meditator. Uh, When I started kind of rediscovering my journey for health and looking for things outside of endurance sports, uh, it was hurting my body a lot. I don't run anymore because of it. Um, my knees, there was a lot of issues. I walked into a yoga class and just kind of randomly, I'd probably gone to a few in my life and I was always had the view like, guys don't do yoga, you know, I'm gonna lift weights or, you know, run outside or ride my bike or whatever. And I, I just said, oh, I'm just gonna go to a class, like whatever, um, really enjoyed it. I went to a second class, found a style I really liked, which was a heated vinyasa flow style. Very active, loud music, lots of push ups, lots of core work. got hooked on that, um, did a two hundred hour teacher training, so i'm officially a yoga teacher, I guess, and that was when I discovered meditation and For me, what was interesting is I mean part of the class we had to sit for you know an hour or two and meditate and and, and that that I found very difficult, and over time it got easier and easier. but I really found For me, the best time for meditation was actually during my yoga practice. And this type of practice allows you to flow on your own so you're not following a teacher. And it was one of the few times where my mind really stopped thinking about other things and was purely in the moment of this is what I feel right now. And for me, the movement helped a lot. Uh, So it was an interesting discovery.
0: Yes. I think once you start to learn yoga and you can do it on your own and you have your self-practice, something that's like my time on my mat, you completely lose sense of all things and you're just there with your body in the sacred space. It's such an amazing experience that I feel like everyone should be able to experience. It's, yeah, I totally agree with you on that.
1: I think too, it's also more accessible than Sitting in silence with your breath meditating as people traditionally think of meditation, right? Like that I think is very daunting for a lot of people and is very difficult for a lot of people and it has its benefits The data says though that you don't have to sit for an hour or two You can sit for a few minutes to ten minutes and have most of the benefits But it still seems very foreign and hard um, Compared to finding a lot of those aspects during movement or during sitting on a mat and yoga it's more accessible.
0: Yeah. The accessibility is huge, especially, you know, you think, oh my gosh, I have to sit here for 30 minutes and think about nothing. Well, I'm thinking about everything. (laughs) And then all of a sudden your body hurts everywhere. I find even if you can't even think about doing yoga, even just breath work, like just focusing on your breath, like 10 breaths, like, can you start with 10 breaths? Just bringing awareness back to yourself is so, so huge.
1: And more importantly, people don't even understand how to breathe anymore, right? Like we walk around kind of holding our stomachs in so we don't look fat and, you know, not really breathing deeply. Uh, So most people just need to relearn how to take a deep breath and really get all of the air into their lungs and expand their stomach. And like, what is, how long does a deep breath take? And it's not a short breath like we're typically taking during the day.
0: Mm, completely. I'd love to segue since we're talking about breath <laughs> over to um, the current state of the world and um, what this has meant for you and how you've shifted when it comes to the consumption of content. Uh, so many of us are working from home that may be quite new at it. How is this adjusted for you?
1: Yeah. Luckily, yeah, you know, I- I've been working from home or at least remotely for a long time. Even if I was in an office you know, most most or all of my team has been remote. So the work adjustment has been quite easy, but there's a lot that we learned over the years during that transition before we became remote companies. So we can talk about at-home stuff. But I think for the, the vast majority of people, the question on their mind is like, how do I reduce stress from all of this stuff that's going on, right? I hear things are getting closed and everyone's getting sick and all of these different things from different outlets. And for me, the first thing is removing social media from our phones is just critical, right? And I personally don't spend any time on Facebook. I don't spend a lot of time on Instagram, but if I spend time on either, it's on the computer in a very pointed and specific way, a scheduled way where I say okay this is the time I've set aside for doing it compared to having it on my phone and just scrolling through so that removal a few years ago was just magical and it gave me back these magic moments of typically what we do when we don't have something to do is we scroll through our phone when you can't do that you now have this time back to think about interesting problems to call a friend, you know, to do other things that you would just have skipped compared to scrolling through. I think similarly, you know, media, I, I've really tried to cut out almost all news media. I don't like the political bias on either side. The, tr- the truth is probably somewhere in the middle and no one wants to report even or try to report the middle, right? They, they want to report to some extreme on either side. So I hear the news from other people and, you know, ultimately very little of it really affects people that much, even in this kind of coronavirus time. And then the the last piece, I would say it's specific to coronavirus and what's happening today is we have to step back and realize the things we can control and the things we can't control. And the things we can't control, we shouldn't worry about. I know I can control my health, so why not focus on that? And In general, if you're a healthy person that is exercising, eating well, doing good things, you don't have really much to worry about in regards to, to coronavirus, right? And each step of the way, I just try to step back and say, what can I control?
0: I love that question, what can I control? And right before, around March, I was called to remove all social media from my phone and totally get off social media. And I agree with you, those pockets of time oh, where you'd normally pick up your phone, but then you don't. Like the most miraculous, wonderful things happen in its place. And we're probably there before you were just too busy looking at your phone.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just when your brain has that extra bit of time and it, it, it could be 30 seconds, right? It's not necessarily the longest amount of time, but to me, it's very much like when you're in the shower and people are like, I came up with a magical idea or I solved the problem. It's because you're... Ultimately focused on nothing else, because you can't have a phone, there's no television, there's no internet in front of you, right? And all of those distractions have gone away. And I think in the process of also, you know, going through a routine of washing our hair or doing whatever we do, it frees the mind to think. And if you can get more time like that in the day, that's super valuable.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I used to have the most amazing ideas in the shower. Like <laughs> now I, I think I have them, you know, looking at a blade of grass. That's my biggest thing right now, or like looking at a candle flame and just allowing yourself to be in that moment is is a true gift for sure. Very powerful. Yes. If you could go back and tell your previous self, like maybe two tips and two things that you wish that you had known earlier on in your journey, what would those two be?
1: It's an interesting question. I've thought about this a lot, actually. And my initial reaction is like, oh, there's these five, 10 things I want to tell myself. And then I think, you know, most importantly, it was a journey. And I think I needed to experience all of those things along it, right? And maybe I could have told myself, you know, spend less time thinking about, you know, optimizing little things and spend less money here. Don't do this. Don't do that do this earlier, you know, play with, but really, I needed to experience that stuff. Because if honestly, if someone came along and told me that, I probably wouldn't have listened.
0: Yeah, you really got to be ready for the goods. And you're right, it is really much just like you walk up one step, and then you find this new thing, and then you walk up the next step, and you find this new thing. If somebody said, you're on step four, and you need to get to step 429, enjoy that. <laughs> like it just, it doesn't resonate for sure. I agree with you on that. Now, I'd love to learn more about your book, your awesome newsletter. How can we connect with you outside of today's chat?
1: Yeah, so the best way to connect is davidhauser.com. I have a weekly email newsletter I send out to over 10,000 people now, roughly three items each week, talking about the topics we've talked about here health, money, family, fitness, meditation, yoga, you know, a kind of wide range of topics. On the things that I'm watching, reading and think are interesting in the week. Um, so I, I definitely engage with people there. Um, you did mention I, I did write a book uh, that uh, came out earlier or I should say still, I can't even remember what year it is now uh, <laughs> came out last year. And you know, it really talks about all of these topics in much more depth, depth. Um, one, how do you build an optimization made, mindset, uh, think about these things, A number of the myths that I'm sure a lot of your listeners know about in terms of cholesterol and fat and such. Uh, and then really all of these categories um, that you can optimize in, fitness, meditation and breath work, cold and you know exposure, supplementation, so kind of what are the core supplements we should be taking, um, really covers all of those at the highest level so we can say, here's where I should start, here's the next level down, and then allows people to go on their own journey.
0: Sounds wonderful. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm going to include all of these links in the show notes today. So if you guys are unsure of where to connect with David and all the awesome things we chatted about, feel free to check out those show notes available at ketodietpodcast.com. And David, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So next up on the show, Sunday, September 27th, episode 272, we have Dr. Jason Fung chatting with us about fasting versus calorie counting. And on Sunday, October 4th, episode 273, I have no idea what I'm going to be doing for this show. It's a mystery episode for both you and me. So stay tuned for that mystery show. I'll figure it out between now and then, I promise. And I will see you then. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. Join us again in a couple of days to discover more keto for women secrets for your fat-fueled life. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, nutrition, and diet, And is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor should it be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representations or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified physician for medical advice and always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program.